Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Garrett Post. And I'm Justin Ruderman. And today we will be starting by briefly discussing the Premier League title race being back on after Spurs' shock victory at the Etihad, much to your chagrin, Justin. Um, And then we will be discussing the Champions League round of 16 games that we saw last week. And then, Justin, this weekend, finally, MLS is back. So we will be giving our Western Conference predictions. Obviously, we are both more... uh, knowledgeable about the Western Conference in the East. We'll be giving our full predictions for that, as well as some league-wide things such as the Golden Boot Supporter Shield, et cetera, et cetera. But before we get on to that, Justin, we'll start with the Premier League. You know, a, a lot has been made about City pulling away, but Liverpool have drawn them back in. The title race is back on. Um, I'm sure you're not happy about it. I'm not really happy about it either. Obviously, I don't want Liverpool <laughs> to win the title. But what happened on Sunday at the Etihad? Yeah, it was, it was poor. I mean, it it was poor from City. There's there's no doubt about that. But uh, it was a Kane masterclass, really, wasn't it? Uh, that that is where it came. I mean, Kane could have had a hat trick. Uh, he did have two goals, obviously, with one of with another one being ruled out for uh, VAR. So, yeah, he's just an, an incredible, incredible player, and showed it uh, at the Etihad on Saturday. But defensively for Man City, it was it was shambles. Uh, Laporte did not have a good game. Diaz probably his worst uh, appearance, his worst start in a City shirt since he's arrived, in my opinion. Uh, played very poorly. His marking was nowhere to be found. He was leaving. Uh, you can see on the last uh, goal, he just left Kane for Kyle Walker to try and mark, which I mean that's never going to happen. So it, it just very poor from him. Um, and yeah, it, it was not fluid throughout. So Spurs obviously sat back very deep uh, for most of the game and, and hit on the counter, which worked out very, very well from them. It reminded me of how Spurs played under Mourinho, uh, very similar with Kane and Son on the counterattack, as was seen in that in that first goal that Kulisevsky scored in the fourth minute very early on, just that, that punch because, I mean, Kane – played the ball through to Son, who, again, Ruben Diaz stepped forward trying to, and I assume he was trying to catch Son offside, uh, didn't work. Son was in behind and, you know, fed it for Kulusevsky for the tap-in. But, yeah, there was just, defensively, uh, it was all over the place, which allowed, you know, Spurs to hit on the on the counter and Kane to show his uh, ability and class, not to mention Son, of course, played very well, but Kane... Uh, took the headlines as he should. Yeah, and, and I mean, I was pretty disappointed in, in you know, obviously how City defended, but I also didn't think they were that good going forward. Um, I mean, 72% possession at home, and, and you can only muster four shots on target, one of which is a penalty, you know, which was saving, at that point we thought, saving a point for City in, in second half stoppage time. But to me, it just seemed like they kind of didn't have a lot of ideas on, on really how to break Spurs down. Obviously, we saw Gunawan hit the post in the first half and then ended up getting his goal. But I thought City in the second half, you know, they were just kind of whipping the ball into no one. You have Phil Foden and Gunawan trying to win headers in the box. It's just not really going to work out. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't impressed with, with City's, um, you know, kind of strategy on, on how to break Spurs down. It, it's the first time I've seen them struggle with a low block like that um, in a while. Um, so yeah, I mean, Spurs were really compact. I thought they defended pretty well, you know, even though they conceded two goals, but they did enough to make sure that the opportunities they did have on the break, you know, were enough for them to win the game. And yeah, you talk about Kane would have had a hat trick, but Kulisevsky was, you know, staring down the line, standing still and just didn't work hard enough to get back on side. And then that goal would have been, you know, would have been four two and it would have been a hat trick for Kane who who deserved it because you know he played brilliantly. Although the one thing I will say is that that goal which was ruled out was a Ederson mistake. Like Kane's finish was not very good. Ederson should have kept it out and didn't but got bailed out by VAR obviously. But yeah, I mean 
City really couldn't afford to, to lose this game. Um, Liverpool obviously have won their last five. They have a game in hand. They're only six points behind. So that game in hand, I believe, is against Leeds. Should they win that, which uh, I, I would be shocked if they didn't, considering how poor Leeds are at the moment. You know, it's a three-point gap between first and second. The title race is well and truly on. It really, yeah, absolutely is. As you say, they play Leeds midweek. Um, there's been a lot of talk about oh, Klopp will rest Salah or Klopp will you know rest some players because they they're, he, they just came back from Afcon and they have a bunch of fixtures and you know they're piling on these these replacement fixtures just that they the had Champions to postpone. League. Right, Salah is starting this game. They need this win to to really put the title race back on. Obviously, uh, which uh, we're both sure they will, but. Yeah, they Salah will start. I'm sure Mane will start. It will be a, a top lineup, and they will take it to Leeds because they are ready to bring this gap back to three points, um, which is scary for uh, City fans. But, yeah, I, I mean, as far as this game, I mean, it was – I mean, Emerson is really the only player who I would say didn't have a very good game for Spurs. I mean, everybody else played very well. Uh, it was unfortunate for Romero, in my opinion. He gave up that penalty, uh, you know, sliding. It hit his hand or his arm. Yeah. But it, it, unfortunate for him because he played so, so well. Uh, you, you mentioned the crossing into the box. And some of those were on the ground, which is better for you, as you say, Phil and, and Gundo. But in the air, Romero was clearing everything with his head. I mean, you're not, you're not getting uh, – you're not winning a header with, against him with, you know, Phil Foden and Gundo and much – and Dyer was there as well, of course. But – I mean, you look and it's – people will talk, okay, is it a back three? Is it a back five? Really, it was a back six. I mean, they were sitting extremely deep, which is – yeah, as you say, City, you know, come up against this low block repeatedly. But Spurs are a little bit better, and when you just sit with, with six guys uh, in a line, it's it's very difficult to break down. Um, but the, the difficult part then is for Spurs to be able to score, which, you know, they obviously – were able to do through through Kane and Son as we've uh, mentioned, but title race well and truly on. Uh, it will very likely be three points going into next weekend, which will, I mean, very very exciting. Uh, Liverpool and City still to play uh, at the Etihad, so it'll be. I mean, that will be title race on the line in that game, right? Because kind of both brings teams... you back to, I was going to say, bring, brings you back to, what was that, 2018-19 when you had yep. the Leroy Sané winner off the post. It, that game's going to feel like that. It's going to be everything on the line. Yep, it really is. I mean, both teams have the title race in their own hands now. So uh, if either team wins out, they win the league. So obviously that's very unlikely to happen for either. But point being that, yeah, each team has their own destiny in their hands now. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to watch. And then obviously, you know, the relegation battle also took a couple twists. We'll just briefly mention that. Both Watford and Burnley won on the road, uh, which is really big for them. Newcastle picking up a point, um, and then Everton lost at Southampton. Poor performance. But, you know, we, we have now some real great drama at the top of the table, not only in this title race, obviously, but also – um, it, for fourth place, which we've been talking about, United have have gotten in a decent position for that um, at the moment. But obviously, Arsenal do have a lot of games in hand. And then, yeah, the bottom of the table, it's going to be really, really interesting as well to see uh, who out of these teams is going to survive. And there's other teams who might get sucked in, like Brentford have already played 26 games, and they're only six points clear of the drop. So, you know, it's still anyone's uh, race for survival down there as well. Yep, yep. As you say, United were able to get that 4-2 win over Leeds when, you know, they went up 2-0 and then Leeds uh, within, you know, a minute or two came back uh, and leveled it. And then United were able to find the way uh, for, through Fred and Alonga to, to get that 4-2 win. Stay they had to win fourth... it twice. Yeah. They really had to win that game twice because they, yeah, they went up 2-0 and you thought, okay, they're going to win. And then they got pegged back and then they had to win it all over again. Absolutely. And it, yeah, that keeps them uh, in fourth place. They're now on 46 points, uh, four up on West Ham, but also four up on Arsenal, who have three games in hand, right? So Arsenal are really in that pole position to take that fourth spot if they can uh, take care of those games in hand and 
put themselves in, in a really good top four race. I mean, there are at least four or five teams in this title race. I mean, in this top four race. Yeah. And, and at the bottom, there's, you know, at least seven, there's seven teams that I could see getting relegated. You know, like you can't count Brentford and Leeds out of it because they've been so bad recently, obviously Everton Newcastle right in the thick of it. And then the, the three who are currently there, who, you know, two of them, I mean, even three of them are picking up more points now than they have been the rest of the season. So it's, it's really a toss up down there, which obviously makes me very worried, but uh, we'll see. It's going to be really interesting to watch. Justin, but with that, we can move on to the Champions League games um, from last week. Obviously, we have uh, the Champions League returning tomorrow um, as we record this on Monday with Chelsea and Lille and Villarreal Juventus. But let's go back real quick and talk about the games we saw last week. Obviously, we predicted uh, who we thought would be getting through the round of 16. And PSG against Madrid, what a game this was uh, on Tuesday Madrid really sitting deep and, and trying to catch PSG on the counter. They really didn't fashion much, but PSG couldn't take advantage of their chances. Obviously, Leo Messi's penalty being saved by Courtois, but it was that man, Kylian Mbappe, in the 94th minute with just a brilliant piece of individual skill, uh, burnt right past Carvajal, and I think it was Modric, and, and then put it through Courtois' legs. Um, and, and gave PSG a big 1-0 lead heading to the second leg at the Bernabeu in a couple of weeks. Yep. I mean, what a moment uh, for Kylian Mbappe. Obviously, still still work to be done, uh, as, as Kobe would say, job not done, job not finished. But it, I mean, what a, what a moment for him. He, it's amazing how young he is, and he's already had racked up a few of these moments uh, in the Champions League. It is, it is really impressive. Uh, you, you can tell that he idolizes Ronaldo because he shows up on Champions League nights and performs, uh, especially in those last few minutes, and really rescued this because PSG certainly deserved to come out of here with a win and not only deserved it, but needed it going to the Bernabeu. You, I mean, you want to win your home leg, right? Home and away goals don't matter anymore, but still uh, you, you got to win your home leg to feel confident going into that second leg away. Uh, which, you know, they got the job done. We both predicted PSG to go through here, which, you know, we'll see, but it, it, a big, big goal from Kylian Mbappe. And there were a couple other games uh, as well. You know, City just smashing Sporting. I mean, unbelievable. Up 4-0 within 32 minutes is – or sorry, within within the first half, uh, 44th minute was, was Bernardo Silva's – second goal to, to make it 4-0. And then Sterling was able to score an absolute stunner in the second half to put the cherry on top. But, I mean, City have put this away in the first leg. Pep will say otherwise, but this one's over. Uh, here's one that isn't over, surprisingly, Justin. Red Bull Salzburg nearly defeating Bayern Munich over there in Austria. It was Adamu in the 21st minute who gave uh, RB Salzburg the lead but it was a Kingsley Coma 90th minute equalizer, which made sure that Bayern would not be losing um, going back to the Allianz. Of course, now they will be at home. Big advantage for them. But I don't think we can count anything out yet with the way that Salzburg played. I mean, they, they, uh, they led for 70 minutes of this game. So, um, you know, who knows? Yeah, just brutal for Salzburg to concede that 90th minute goal to Coma. I mean, if you can go to the Allianz, up one nil you really feel like hey we have a chance if we can just prevent them from scoring or if you know we can find a way to even score a goal then it really puts the pressure on Bayern uh but yeah that that second that that goal from Coleman in the 90th really makes it feel like uh that was fun while it lasted but here come Bayern back at home and they're gonna you know put this one away that's how it feels at least to me um unfortunate but love go ahead I was just gonna say the one positive for them is that with the away goals rule being uh, done away with this year um it's basically just a, a one game takes all um they don't need they don't necessarily need to go score they can try to take it to penalties if if they need um so it's not like they are you know if if, if it was last season they would be losing at the moment um because of the away goals rule so the one positive for them is that that is not the case definitely good point there and uh, love, love seeing Brendan Aronson get uh, Champions League assist against Bayern Munich. Obviously, did he mean I, it? 
there's been a big debate about whether he meant it or not. I give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll 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 agree with that. We'll we'll give it to him. Why not? <laughs> we're we're generous with the young American prospects, but he I mean he is uh, extremely extremely talented and continues to show it uh, in the Champions League, and hopefully he gets a big move uh, this this summer. I think Leeds will be back in for him. So we might see him in the Premier League next season. You know, if, if Bielsa stays, I think Aronson could play, you know, really, really well under Bielsa. So I'm interested Absolutely. to see I mean, if that will happen. He runs as much as anybody in the world, top 1% in distance covered uh, of any player in the world this season. So it's, yeah, he, he would fit very well in a lead system and leads are obviously very, very interested in him have already gotten a bit rejected. Um, but I also don't think there'll be the only Premier League team in for him. So we'll see what happens. Probably not. And speaking of another Premier League team, the last game from the Champions League last week was Liverpool picking up a 2-0 win in the San Siro against Inter in a game that they honestly did not deserve to win 2-0, in my opinion. Inter uh, denied by the crossbar uh, on multiple occasions. Um, they ended up with zero shots on target. But I think almost everyone agreed that Inter should have had a goal in this game, but it was R- Roberto Firmino with a really nice flicked header from a, a corner delivery um, in the 75th minute, which gave them the lead. And then Mohamed Salah had a, a bit of a tap in after some pinballing in the box in the 83rd, giving Liverpool a commanding 2-0 lead. Don't see them blowing this one at home. Uh, Inter will have to come out of their shell, uh, and, it's, and it's just not going to end well for the Italian side, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, as you say, it's just unfortunate for Inter because it probably deserved a goal. And then Firmino scores, and you're, it's, it's like, okay, well – even if you go lose one nil, it's still possible, but then Salah just immediately makes it two nil within, you know, less than 10 minutes after. So it's, that really puts it away because you're going two nil to Anfield. You're in a really, really bad spot there. Uh, One nil is not great, but at least it's possible. You can, you know, snatch a goal and you can still sit deep. But as you say, Inter are going to have to come out of their shell. They're going to have to play a different style, um, which is not going to suit them. And it's only going to leave, openings for Liverpool's devastating front three to, you know, get some, get some extra goals and really put this one away. And when we think about, you know, Liverpool getting knocked out of the Champions League the last two seasons, both times, the second leg has been at home, but they were going into that game down goals, right? We remember Atletico Madrid um, and Marco Sirente, obviously with those crazy late goals to, to win it for uh, Atleti, but Atleti had a 1-0 lead going into the second leg. And then uh, when they played Real Madrid last year, um, Vinicius Jr. had been carving Trent apart at the Di Stefano Stadium in Madrid. They went into that game and I believe just kept it to a 0-0, kept Liverpool out and and progressed past the the Reds. Um, But Inter will not have that luxury. And so having to come out and needing goals, um, I think they're going to leave themselves exposed. And, And I'd be surprised if we didn't see Salah and Firmino, Jota, whoever ends up starting that game uh, will be taking advantage of that. Absolutely. And with that, we can move to the main course of this uh, episode, which is our MLS predictions. MLS is returning this weekend. Uh, We are both very excited for that. I'm sure all MLS fans are very excited uh, to finally get the MLS back. Obviously, we're starting the season a little bit earlier than we normally would because we're going to have that – World Cup break in the winter, which is obviously very weird. Normally, a World Cup would be in the summer, but welcome to Qatar. So here we go. We're, we're going to predict the uh, Western Conference because both of our teams, Garrett being an Earthquakes fan and me being an LAFC fan, are going to we, – we know more about the West. We focus more on the West. and uh, But it's – there's a lot of teams in MLS, and what we love about MLS, as opposed to other leagues, is – it's extremely difficult to predict because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, Colorado winning the West last year was absurd. I mean, nobody would have been able to predict that, right? That's what is great about the MLS. There's always competition because you just can't predict it. We'll start from the bottom to the top, Justin, starting with 14th place. Obviously, Nashville have been moved into the Western Conference this year due to the introduction of Charlotte FC into the East. So there's now 14 teams in both conferences. Um, I have put 
The team that finished bottom last year in the West, I've put them right back there with Houston Dynamo. Uh, what about yourself, Justin? Full agreement there. Uh, yeah, Houston Dynamo. Just they're not they're not a great team. They have a few players. Um, I've always been a fan of Quintero, but he hasn't been great for them. Uh, Pico, and then yeah, they, they've they've added up front right. So they're they their big signing over the season or over the off season was Sebastian Ferreira, uh, four point three million purchase for them center forward. Uh, so that'll be you know adding to their their uh, potent attack. They also got Corey Baird from uh, from LAFC, and then they got a, a center back as well. But the, that that defense is where it really falls apart for me, as well as the midfield. I mean, there's just not much there. There's a couple you know, exciting attackers, but that's not enough to do really anything. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a long season for Houston. In 13th, Justin, I've gone for their Texas neighbors. I've gone for Austin again. Uh, I, I thought they did get pretty unlucky last year. I, you know, they have some decent players, um, but I just think it's going to take a little while longer for them to really adjust uh, and, and kind of pull what Minnesota did and really get themselves in the playoff positions. They had a, fir- a rough couple first year, first two years. Um, and I see that happening with Austin again. Uh, obviously, they only finished one point above Houston last year. So I've, I've kept Austin in second to last as well. I put RSL here. Wow. Yeah. I know people will be probably surprised by it, but I, I just don't see what RSL really brings. And they lost arguably their best player uh, in Albert Rusnak to Seattle. So, I mean, they're just going to fall off. I don't see where, how they're so good. I mean, they barely made playoffs, obviously, last season uh, on the last day. But it, I just don't think they're, they're a very good team. They're, their home, you know, stadium, they're, they're never going to have a, a, a lot of fan support or anything like that. So it's just, they have to be able to find it on the field. I don't think that. Uh, they'll be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, they were they made waves in the playoffs. So, like, they got to the Western Conference Final. So, it's it's you know, I don't I don't know if they're like I I don't think you could say they're not a good team considering what they did. But that being said, Justin, I put them in twelfth because I think <laughs> losing Ruznak is is a big deal, and they have not replaced him with anyone. Um, right. And I don't think you can rely on Damir Krylak to, to carry you with 90th minute winner after 90th minute winner all the way to the playoffs again. So yeah, I, I've, I've put them in 12. Yeah. And then, so we just have a uh, 12th and 13th switch there then because I have Austin in 12th. Um, the reason is I think that Austin are building a project there. And I think that it's, it's slowly, but surely on the uprise and, uh, Obviously, Sebastian Drusi is a massive signing for them. Uh, left winger for $7 million is, you know, a, a really big uh, purchase. So it'll be, I think that they'll play very well, but, or not very well. I think they'll play a lot better than they did last season um, when they were just extremely, extremely poor. Uh, and we're lucky to not finish in last place. But this time they'll do one spot better but still, you know, ways to go. All right, Justin, I think this is a bit of a hot take from me. 11th, I've gone for Dallas. Okay. <clears throat> and obviously they've, they've made some, uh, some big signings this summer, bringing in Velasco and Paul Ariola in a record MLS deal. Um, but, you know, I just don't think they're going to be able to overcome the losses of, of Pepe and Brian Reynolds. I think those were, you know, arguably their two best players. They also lost Ryan Hollingshead to your club LAFC, which I think will be a big miss for them. Uh, so I, I've put them in 11th. I think some people will probably expect them to do a little bit better. You know, Velasco is a big signing, biggest signing in, in their history, but he's only 19. So I, I just don't see him immediately kicking on and, and, you know, getting the production that Ricardo Pepe, who obviously is also 18 young, but, you know, used to the league. I think Velasco could end up being a very, very good player in the years to come, but not enough this season to get Dallas really in the playoff race. Yeah. Um, it might be a hot take for some, not for me. I also put Dallas 11th. 
Wow. Uh, yeah. I, it really is. I mean, you're losing. They're, they're a selling club. They sell all their young talent. I under, I, I agree with your take on Velasco. I think that Ariola, well, he brings in that uh, MLS experience and, and, and veteran leadership that you really need in MLS. Um, I just don't think that it's enough. And I think that, you know, I don't think he's, he's record signing worthy. Um, obviously the biggest uh, within MLS deal in history. So I just, I've never been a, a big fan of Ariola. I think he's a very MLS level player uh, and is not enough to carry a team to the playoffs or anything like that. So 11th for Dallas. All right. I, I definitely have a hot take here but it's almost more of a manifestation because I just want this to happen. I've put Carson in 10th. There it is. <laughs> I've put Carson in 10th and here's why they lost their two best midfielders in Leggett and Jonah Dos Santos. And they replaced them with Marky Delgado. Uh, and that's about it. It's just not very good. They've lost the heart of their midfield. They haven't replaced them. You know, they'll get Douglas Costa in, but not until July, uh, Jovlich really didn't hit the ground running after, after coming in for a big money move there. And then, I mean, who else did they bring in Raheem Edwards from LAFC, who I think we both know is just <laughs> not very good. So uh, would I be surprised if Carson finished higher than 10th? No, absolutely not. I think they probably will, but I'm going to put him in 10th as a manifestation and, and as something I'd love to see happen. Yeah. I think you're being generous calling legit uh, one of their best midfielders. Just, I mean, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. He's definitely not uh, one of the U.S.'s best midfielders, but I think he's, I, he was one of the Galaxies. Uh, I just like hating on him. He's so bad. Um, no, for me, uh, I put Vancouver in 10th place, which is also maybe a little bit of a hot take. Um, I don't know. I just don't see – the main reason is because they lost Maxime Cropo again to LAFC. Um, right. But he – I mean, you look at his his XG numbers from last season uh, and, and the way that he was able to save so many goals for Vancouver. And not only that, but save so many points in the process. I mean, he really won Vancouver many points last season, and he's not going to be there to do that. And if you take away those, those points that he – I mean, I think he was like – plus eight or something in XG. I mean, he saved a lot of goals, one of the top keepers in MLS. So when, when you downgrade from him to whoever, I mean, Hassal, I don't know who their goalkeeper is going to be really, but it's, it's not going to be good. And I think that that is going to show throughout the season. I just, I think that, you know, they got, Youngworth in from the Quakes, like is that really gonna help be enough to to solidify that back line to protect uh, their keeper? I don't think so. Uh, so so I think they'll concede a lot of goals and and fall all the way to tenth. Yeah, I've put them in ninth. So I, I kind of agree. I mean, I think Ryan Gold is kind of under the radar, one of the best players in the entire league. Um, but you're right, that's not really gonna help their their defense. Um, they also brought in Pedro Vite, I believe, in the middle of last year, who's a young, uh, talented Ecuadorian midfielder, but, you know, only 19. So, you know, other than that, <clears throat> excuse me, defensively, they brought in Tristan Blackman, uh, yep. who, you know, that's Blackman, Youngverth with, you know, whoever their backup keeper is going to be their starter because they didn't bring in a keeper. I, I, yeah, I'm not convinced. I've put Vancouver in ninth. Yeah, they just... The only thing that benefits them is obviously everybody has to travel to Canada. They play on turf. It's a different, uh, it's a different issue. And then you, you never know about players' vaccination statuses because when they go to Canada, uh, yeah. that that becomes an issue. But so they have the, a little, a little extra advantages by playing in Vancouver. But yeah, just not enough. Uh, for me, in ninth, I put Minnesota United. Um, I think that you know they're a good team with a good system. And they uh, obviously brought in Luis Amaria for a million and a half, a new, a new center forward. They brought in another center forward, a, a couple other center forwards as well. So they are, you know, trying to stack that front line because they've had, you know, problems scoring a, a ton of goals. But I don't know. I just look at the roster and it doesn't, it, nothing impresses me. Uh, so that's why 
I, I just can't put them into the playoffs. Uh, and so I have to put them in ninth. Yeah. I mean, again, we were very similar there. I've put them in eighth. So, um, okay. you know, I agree with you. They, they barely squeaked into the playoffs last season. Um, obviously, you know, they were only one point clear um, of, of, of Carson who finished in that last spot right outside the playoffs. Um, and they had a negative two goal difference. Like I, I didn't really think they were that great lost 11 games. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're going to regress a bit. Um, obviously, I really like Adrian Heath, Everton legend and all. But, uh, you know, I just think that, especially with the addition of Nashville, there's just, there are better teams. There, there are at least seven better teams um, in the West. So I have Minnesota barely missing out on the playoffs in eighth place. And here I go with a little, you, you manifested them all the way in 10th. I'm, I'm manifesting them in eighth. Uh, Carson Galaxy. Wow. I think. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, I just think that they're – I look, they're going to score goals, no doubt. Chicharito will come back. I think Jovalich will, will play better. Um, when, they, when Costa comes in, that will, that will obviously boost them, no doubt. Their midfield, yeah, they lost Legette. They lost Dos Santos. They replaced with, you know, Marky Delgado. And then you talked about – I mean, they have a few within MLS players – uh, Raheem Edwards, Kevin Leardham. These are these are guys that, sure, they're additions, but how much are they really going to help? I don't know. I think that their defense is really questionable. Their back line, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's, you know, quality in any way, shape, or form. But I, I do rate Jonathan Bond as a goalkeeper. So yeah, that, that obviously will help them. I think they'll be on that, you know, edge of playoffs. But as an LAFC fan, I'm definitely not going to predict them into playoffs. So eighth for them. Yeah, honestly, I thought you might put them a little higher, but I guess it makes sense. You're picking them to finish exactly where they finished last year. So um, consistent there. Seventh place, I've gone for my own San Jose Earthquakes, barely squeaking in the playoffs. I think we have the best roster that we've had in, in you know, a long time. Abobasi obviously got injured, uh, you know, pretty soon after joining us last season. Didn't, didn't, uh, make the impact we would have wanted because of that, you know, had a concussion, but he's looked really good in preseason. Kate Cowell just got signed to a new long-term deal, uh, which is really exciting. We got trophies back on loan. I think young Gregush is going to be a really good addition from Minnesota. So um, do I think we could finish higher than seventh? Yeah, I think it's possible. Do I think we could miss the playoffs again? Yeah, it's definitely possible. It's the, it's the earthquakes after all. And Matias Almeida's style can be hit or miss, but I think he definitely has the best, a group of personnel now that he ever has um, since joining San Jose. So I'm, I'm a pick us to narrowly squeak in the playoffs. I did the same, but you know what? This, this probably is the hot take of our, uh, I, I don't know what is coming up for you, but that this is a hot take for both of us. I put them there as well. Um, probably because I discussed them a lot with you, but I just think people are, are putting them, you know, low people, I've seen people put them as low as, you know, 12th or 13th even, which is just disrespectful in my opinion to, to the Quakes. I think people think of, oh, the Quakes, they're an underperforming team. They don't spend. We know these things, but people are, are missing this offseason. I mean, obviously, Abobasi came in at the end of last year, but really didn't get to show as much as he, in my opinion, will show this year. Bolstered the defense. Uh, as you say, Gray Goosh, as well as Francisco Calvo. Uh, but I just, I think that Jaimero Montero is extremely going under the radar. I mean, this is a massive transfer within MLS. I know it's only, you know, 450,000. So people think, okay, maybe that's not that much. I think he is a, a top 10 or 15 midfielder in, in the league. Uh, he is very, very quality, can create a ton of chances you put him with Espinoza, there will be chances left and right for Abobasi, uh to, to finish. And Chofis will also, you know, not only be able to create, but also to finish those chances probably. So I just think it, it, it's important how Almeida implements Cade Cowell because that front four is, is almost set, right? But you need to put Cade Cowell in there some, somehow and get him more involved because he did not get enough minutes last year. And, and that is part of the reason why Quakes didn't have as good of a season as they potentially could have. But I think that they have a playoff worthy team this season and it's up to Almeida to put them in the playoffs. 
which I think that, you know, he's a really good coach. He just hasn't been able to prove it in MLS because he hasn't really had a team. I think he finally has a team that he can show it with. Let's see if he can do it. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, it's kind of a selection headache in a lot of areas of the pitch, you know, in midfield, we, we saw Remetti and Jude Sin a lot last year, but there's also Jackson Ewell and now Gregush on top of that. Um, and then, you know, the, the winger midfielder spot now, you know, Espinosa, Cowell, Benji Kakanovich was really good at the back end of last season. So, like, I mean, there's a lot of players here that it's like, you, I don't really see how they're all going to get enough minutes. Uh, but, you know, that's a good problem to have. It's the deepest team we've had in a while. And also, I think Nathan has been really underappreciated joining midway through the season last year and was arguably, you know, a top five center back in MLS after he joined his uh, interception and tackle numbers are through the roofs. So I think him and Calvo, as, as well as Tanner Beeson, who's been developing really well, is, is a solid back line. I think fullbacks is probably the weakest position, but hopefully we'll be signing someone else in the next week is kind of what, what's been rumored for that. But with that, we can move on to sixth place, sixth place, Justin, excuse me. I've put Portland in sixth. I think they're going to regress a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah, I've put them there, obviously made it to uh, MLS cup and, and lost it at home, uh, which is quite unfortunate for them. But I don't know, their squad is aging. I think they've lost a bit of depth. Um, and so that I've, I've gone for Portland to kind of regress a bit this year, probably a, a bit of a hot take, but you know, also the, they lost Steve Clark, who I, who I thought had a really good season for them. And David Bingham's likely going to be their starting goalie. So I'm not convinced by that whatsoever. Yeah. I don't rate either of those goalkeepers, um, but I, I get what you're, I mean, definitely could regress, obviously losing Valeri major loss, um, not that he was, you know, starting every game towards the end because he's yeah, getting older. But, wow, Port, that, that definitely a hot take uh, is, is Portland in sixth. For me, I put Colorado in sixth. Um, you know, they obviously won the Western Conference last year on the last day. Pretty, pretty shocking that they were able to do that. But it shows that they have, you know, a good team, a good system that they can build around. There's no obvious, uh, you know, holes in the team, in my opinion. They have, a, a, you know, they fill each spot uh, enough. The question is, how good is it? I don't think that it's very good. Uh, I think that losing, obviously, Kellen Acosta, major, major loss. Um, it's really, you know, a swap almost with Mark Anthony Kay with LAFC giving a little bit more money. Um, but... I just, I, I don't know. To, to me, they have to drop, but I think that they'll, they have a good enough system in place that they will be able to, you know, still make playoffs. But I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they didn't make playoffs. I mean, that, that's a bigger hot take than Portland in sixth, in my opinion. I mean, we're talking about the reigning Western Conference champions here, and, and you're saying they might miss the playoffs. Although I don't. But they're, think... they're historically a poor team compared to Portland, yeah, who are yeah. historically and... a very good team. So that's why I say that. Yeah, and I don't entirely disagree with you because I've put them in fifth um, as a segue into fifth. I've put them in, in, in fifth. You know, obviously, Austin Trusty, they did sell to Arsenal, but they get them back on loan. But Sam Vines is, is off to, to Belgium with Royal Antwerp. Talk about Kellen Acosta. I do think that is a big, a big miss. You know, having Acosta and, and Mark Anthony Kay next to each other for the back half of last season, I thought worked quite well for them. Um, but, I mean, we're still talking about the Western Conference champions. So, I, I think them missing the playoffs is, is a bit extreme. I think Nashville coming in does kind of hurt their chances of, of being in that top three, top four, you know, getting a, a home game in, in the playoffs. So, I, I have them in fifth. Fair enough. Fair enough. For me in fifth, I put Sporting Kansas City. Wow. Yeah, I think that – I don't know. I mean, very good team – Obviously, historically, I mean, they, they have a good uh, fan base. They have, they'll, they'll always perform. They'll always be in that conversation for better teams in the West. But obviously, they lost Busio mid-last year. Um, very big loss. And they really just haven't had anything major. They brought in, you know, a, a couple signings. They spent, you know, a, a few million, about six, five, five million dollars they spent over this uh, off season, but I just, I don't know if, if that's going to be enough. I think that they rely a lot on Polito uh, up front. So we'll see if he can, you know, carry them, but 
yeah, fifth place for me. Could be higher really, though, for sure. Could be yeah, higher for it, sure. I, I, I've, I've put them higher, so I, I, I won't say that yet. But fourth place, I've gone for the newcomers. I've gone for Nashville in fourth. Um, you know, they, they finished third in the East, which I think is a considerably easier conference than the West. Um, and, you know, obviously they, they have um, Haney Mukhtar, who is one of the best players in the league and is definitely going to be an MVP candidate yet again this year. But I don't know. I, I think especially with them being as far East as Nashville, um, they're going to be traveling even further than, than most other teams in MLS mm-hmm. do just through, you know, having to go all the way to the West coast. Um, it's going to be tough on them. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, I think fourth, I think, you know, that's doing pretty well considering they're in a new conference. They only finished third in an easier one. So yeah, I, I have Nashville in fourth, obviously still a really good team. Walker Zimmerman, great player, Henny Mukhtar, great player. So yeah. I, I agree with you. Once again, we, we agree on fourth because yeah, as you say, Honey Mukhtar, great player. They've, they've just shown their ability to start to be consistent in MLS. They, their first season obviously was extremely poor, um, but since has, has been very, very good. And it's, I just don't see, again, no flaws. And you see they have a leader in the back in Walker. They have a leader up front. Um, and I think that it'll be enough to, to sneak in them in fourth place. Uh, I was I was debating this with SKC. I almost flipped them, but I I gave Nashville the edge uh, just because I don't know really. I just I just feel that they're a little bit better. Um, they obviously brought in uh, Akeloba for nearly seven million dollars. They're a, a new center forward, uh, so probably able to score more goals, which has been their problem. Right? They've been a very solid defensive team uh, and just getting enough goals has been more of the issue. So that should probably solve that issue maybe. And then that, that could push them into fourth place. Yeah. And I think also we should mention that I believe it's in May that their brand new stadium will be opening. So they will finally be moving out of Nissan stadium, which is the Tennessee Titans stadium. They'll be getting their own stadium in Nashville. I'm sure. The atmosphere is going to be great. So I'm looking forward to that in third, Justin, I've put LAFC. Um, I think, you know, obviously they've made some really good moves in this off season, have done a, a pretty decent job of replacing some big departures. Obviously, uh, Eduard Atuesta going off to Palmeiras, Rossi left for Fenerbahce midseason. Um, and, you know, Kellen Costa, good signing. Ilya Sanchez will be, you know, a decent rotational option. I don't know if he's going to start every game, um, but it does seem like, uh, Carlos Vela should be playing more this season. Obviously that could change. Who knows? Could get injured again, you know, not getting any younger, but um, you know, him and Chicho Arango, if they can stay fit and have both of them in the starting 11 for the whole season that they're going to score plenty of goals. And then it's just really up to whether the back line can, can do its job or not. I think Crapo is a great signing. One of the best keepers in MLS definitely going to help them out. You know, you had uh, some rotation, um, last season with Cisniega playing and uh, yeah, Thomas Romero playing at, at parts. I think Crapo is, you know, outright outstanding. Number one uh, is going to play almost every single game. You don't really have to worry about the same problems that you had with like Vermeer and Tyler Miller being inconsistent and whatnot. So uh, yeah, I put LFC in third. And the only reason I haven't put it higher is Steve Trundle is a, is a first year head coach in MLS has only coached in the USL. So I think, you know, third place is, is honestly be, being a little bit generous. It's just that he does have such a good squad, but there will be some growing pains. It's not going to go perfectly. And so I've put LAFC in third place, but that's still, you know, relatively successful in my opinion. They'll get home playoff games, um, significant improvement from not even making the playoffs last year. Absolutely. I think you, you summed it up really, really well. I also put LAFC in third place. Um, as you say, I, I mean, to me, LAFC has the best roster in MLS and, uh, the only reason that they're not, I, I didn't predict them to, to win is, as you say, Steve Schoenelou is a first year, you know, coach. And so is he going to be able to carry them to that, you know, first place supporter shield talk uh, debate? No, I don't think so. Probably not. But I mean, that should be his ambition. That should be where he's aiming uh, uh, to, to get because, but he, he also could, I mean, if he's poor, LFC could fall lower. So it's kind of a, uh, a middle ground that I've put them in third, therefore, because 
uh, and people think hearing middle ground at third is weird, but to me, it, it really is just the best roster in MLS. As you say, it is the first time uh, LAFC has had a, an actual goalkeeper that is that fans are confident in, that the team is confident in. Uh, it was never the case with, I mean, it was, as you said, it was supposed to be Tyler Miller. It was supposed to be Vermeer. It was, but it, it just never worked out. Romero uh, is, is the, probably the goalkeeper of the future, but not ready quite yet, of course. Um, so he, he got minutes last time. And then Eddie Segura was a really big loss in the middle of last season. He won't be ready at the beginning of this season. He had uh, ACL surgery, but he, his recovery is going very, very well from what we can tell. So he will be back uh, probably within the first couple of months of the season. Daniel Henry came in to you know, fill that gap uh, and, and be an extra guy in the back when needed prior to him coming back, of course. So, there's just, there's just a lot of selection headaches that have been created. I mean, Hollingshead coming in, do you start him? Do you start Palacios? Who's on the right? Who's it Kim? Is it Escobar? Your, your midfield is now stacked. Um, as you say, I mean, if you're bringing in Elie Sanchez and you're for, for nearly a million and you're not even starting him, that's very impressive. It's just, it, it's hard to say the front three is, has to be the best in the league. Um, so I, I just think that this team is so good that it, there, there should be a, a high ambition. But as you say, Shrondaloo is where there's the question mark. And so that's why third place. Yeah. I, and I, well, I also think that Vela can be a question mark. It really depends how much he plays. Um, Absolutely. He really didn't have an impact last season. And also I think, I think he needs to buy into the project a bit more. LAFC is in a bit of a different uh, spot than they have been in the past, but I, I really don't think you can have your club captain on the beach in Malibu during a, a El Trafico. That's just my opinion. So I think Bella needs to yeah. buy in more. And if he can stay fit, th- then uh, I think LAFC will, will have a good season. In well, second I do think place, that is one thing, oh. just quickly, I do think that's one thing yeah, that uh, Shrondaloo would benefit uh, because Shrondaloo is a very much a player's coach. Um, something he, he really has focused on and, and fans have questioned a little bit is he, he keeps saying we need to smile and laugh in training. That's very, very important is to have fun uh, with it and not just, you know, focus on, on the details. Uh, and Bob and Carlos had started to have, it seemed a, a contentious relationship near the end because it was, it started with that first game of the season when he took Vela off because he thought he was injured against Austin and then he didn't play for a while nobody could tell if it's injury or what and then it, that was pretty much the entire season it just seemed like there was some relationship issue there uh, between him and Bob and so hopefully that this will benefit him in second place Justin you put them low I've gone for Sporting Kansas City um, and you say oh they rely on Polito to carry them and whatnot but the fact of the matter is that Polito, you know, didn't stay fit that much last year. He played 21 games, but a lot of that was in and out in injury. So he only had eight goals, two assists. I expect him to have a better year this year. And I think, you know, Johnny Russell is a really good player. Obviously they lost Busio, but um, that was midway through the season and they, and they still seem fine finished uh, in third place. I have them finishing in second. I think Polito's going to be great. Obviously we talk about the fan base and, you know, it's just Peter Vermees, one of the most experienced coaches in MLS. I think sporting are always at the top of the West and I don't see that changing. Yeah, so I mean, you put sporting or you put sporting a little bit higher and Portland a little bit lower. I was a little bit different, so I put Portland in second. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just think maybe I'm influenced by Portland and the and their history, but they are just obviously they're Western Conference champions, so no reason to discount them there. But I don't know. I just think that the the system that they have, their fan base. Um, going to that stadium is very, very difficult stadium to play in. Obviously it's turf as well, uh, which, which helps them out. But I just, I think that they're a very good team. I think that they, uh, they, they brought in a couple players that can help them uh, anchor that midfield. And then Moreno can, can help them score some goals. Uh, I don't know. I think that they'll, they'll play well. Felipe Mora, I think will have a, a good year. Um, and yeah, I mean, as far as SKC, I think that Shaloy, you know, carried them a lot last season, but I think he ha- he's probably going to fall off a little bit. I do rate, um, Russell, as you say, but, uh, Portland midfield of Blanco, Chada and David Ay- Ayala, excuse me. Um, I think that's a pretty 
solid, solid midfield with Paredes is there as well, uh, Williamson. So it's the the center of the pitch, I think, is going to be really strong for Portland uh, and obviously a very well-coached team, uh, history in MLS. So second place, but it, it could definitely be lower, <laughs> no doubt. Um, they, they could fall to that fifth or sixth spot if if things go poorly for them. So that means we've both unsurprisingly put Seattle in first place. Yeah. Uh, shock really to no one. They, they brought in Albert Ruznak, which, you know, their attack is, is a bit ridiculous now with both Ruznak and Rui Diaz up there. Um, we know Brian Schmetzer is a, is a special coach, one of the best in MLS history. Um, so, I mean, that, those were my reasons, just Seattle. It, they're, they're so good. Um, and, and I expect them to not get pipped to it on the last day by Colorado this year. I think they will finish first. And, and obviously you, you happen to agree. I do agree. I mean, it's, it's hard to not predict Seattle Sounders to win Western conference pretty much every season you start yeah. off and you, and it just looks like that. Um, they are an extremely, extremely well-run club, massive fan base in Seattle. Um, just all around there's, there's players, as you say, Schmetzer is one of the better coaches. Um, and prior to that, Siggy Schmidt was, was the same type of, uh, you know, you're just confident in what they could do. Raul Ruiz Diaz is an unbelievable player. Um, so, yeah, and then, as you say, Roos not coming in is is really, really big. I'm, I was surprised he was a DP, honestly, but yeah. it is what it is, and it's a, still a free transfer, so they're not spending, you know, very much. They spent a little bit, very little bit this offseason and still look like they're the best team in the West. Um or at least poised to, to win the West. I do think Brad Smith, I've always rated him. I think that's definitely a loss, um, but Seattle are, are going to be fine. And I think that they will uh, take the, take the West. Yeah. And I mean, they brought in Leo Chu, who's a really exciting Brazilian winger in the middle yep. of last season. Didn't really have an impact, but I expect him to. And then, you know, Jordan Morris hasn't really been the same since his injuries, but it's not like having him on the roster is, is really going to be a problem for them. I think that's just more depth for them going forward. And, um, you know, we know how well-drilled of a team they are. So yeah, I, I, we, we both agree on that. And so then Justin, we have uh, five other things that we will be predicting supporter shield, golden boot, newcomer of the year, MLS cup and MVP. Let's start with the supporter shield. I've gone for Seattle uh, I, I think that they will beat out um, New England, who I think will, again, finish top of the East. I just think they're so far clear of everyone else over there, especially with less competition in, in Nashville moving out. But I think Seattle will end up actually getting more points. So I'm going for Seattle. Interesting. Uh, it's funny that you say that they're so far, that New England are so far ahead because I picked a team from the Western Con I mean, the Eastern Conference to win the Supporters' Shield, and it wasn't them. I'm picking Philadelphia Union Interesting. Uh, to win Supporters Shield. I think that, well, I just think first of all that somebody from the East is going to win it because the East, the West is so much more competitive. They showed it last yeah, year. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And and it's the case again this season. It's much easier uh, to rack up a lot of points in the in the East because there are so many poor teams, um, and just teams you know that you can rack up points against, but. Philadelphia are, are a very good team. And I think that while I understand that, you know, New England had a record setting season last year, obviously record number of points in MLS, um, partly as a result of that very poor um, team of that very poor league. But I don't know. I just, I think that Philadelphia are very, very good. Montero is a big loss. Uh, no doubt, but I think that they have one of the better coaches in MLS in Jim Curtin, and I think that they'll find a way to to win that uh, conference. And I just think that whoever wins that conference is winning the Supporters Shield because I don't see it coming from the West uh, with how competitive the West is. Yeah, you you bring up a good point there. Uh, you know, and, and it could it it is likely that whoever wins the East does take the supporter shield, but I'm just going to rock with Seattle because I think top to bottom, they're just the most experienced, the most well-drilled. I, I don't know. I have a feeling that um, 
you know, they're just going to be by far and away the best team in MLS this year. So, but I, I definitely think your, your, your pick, even though it's not new England, which is surprising, I think picking someone from the Eastern conference is probably more sensible, but that's, I've gone for a little bit of a hot take there. And then let's do uh, let's do golden boot, Justin. I'm sticking with the same theme. I'm going for Raul Rui Diaz. I just think he is the best striker in MLS. I, I think his quality, he shows it week on week on week. Uh, so good scores in every type of way that you could really ask him to. So I've gone for Raul Rui Diaz. Yeah, he's a sensational player. Uh, can't hate on that pick for sure. But there, I mean, there's a few players that could definitely take it. For me, probably a little bias. Um, but if he plays, if he's available the entire season, Carlos Vela. He is shocking. I mean, he is so good. He will get. He will get back on penalties. Um, Chicho was taking them when he was gone, but he he'll be back on penalties, which will help him towards the golden boot. I think that, yeah, it's obviously dependent on how healthy he is, how many games he gets, but if optimistically he'll, he'll play. And then if he does, I think that he's just unstoppable in this league. Newcomer of the year, Justin, this is always a really interesting one. And there have been, a re- I feel like, a reasonable amount of, of, of signings from outside the MLS. But I think probably more so there's been a lot of big MLS to MLS moves. But, um, I, you know, I was dallying with uh, Jordan Shakiri from, from going to uh, Chicago from Lyon. But I think the rest of Chicago's team is so poor that it's just going to be hard for mm-hmm. him to shine yeah. that much. I've gone for Thiago Almada from uh, Atlanta United. A, you know, really young player, but I just have a feeling he's going to hit the ground running. Atlanta are going to be back towards their best, in my opinion. Joseph Martinez really started looking like Joseph Martinez again at the back half of last season. I don't don't expect him to drop back off. I think he's going to be scoring goals for fun again this season. So I've I've gone for Almada. We've been agreeing a lot, man. Uh, Tiago Almada, I mean, this guy is obviously, as you say, he's, he's very young. He's 20 years old, but he is talented as all can be and with joseph martinez above him and playing balls to to martinez he will rack up assists um and yeah i just think he'll be the newcomer of the year i think i think that a lot of people would look at insigne but uh halfway through the season it would have to be a situation there right exactly um but i just i think that almada is so supremely talented i just think his combination with Martinez, we might see another Almarone Martinez situation, not quite as good as that probably, but esque of that because he is such a good player. He's actually now, according to Transfer Market, the most valuable player in MLS, um, which is interesting. But yeah, I, I think he'll be the newcomer of the year because he's a flashy player, somebody that people will notice, and he'll rack up stats as well, playing for Atlanta, who are. Uh, going to be very good this year competing in that Eastern conference. I mean, they don't count them out for supporter shield um, because they're, they're a quality quality team. So let's do the last individual award before we move on to MLS cup itself, which is obviously a crapshoot, but MVP uh, I have a feeling you're probably going to go for Vela if, if he wins the golden boot uh, because I've gone for my golden boot winner as well. I'm going for Rui Diaz. Uh, you know, already talked about it. I, I do think he's arguably the best player in the league. Um, you know, I, I don't see Carlos Hill having a bajillion assists again this season. I'd be surprised if he was able to keep that up. Um, so I've gone for Rui Diaz, scores goals for fun, you know, with a new strike partner in, in Ruznak, it will get plenty of assists as well. So I, I'm going Rui Diaz yet again. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I will go Carlos Vela because, I mean, if he wins Golden Boot, he's going to win MVP. Um, because he's, I mean, he's just such a supremely talented player. He's that good comparatively to the other players in MLS, in my opinion. Um, and I do think that he'll get, he'll get rest. I mean, there's a lot of uh, our front three bringing in Ishmael to jury Shradi gives him that ability to, you know, play 60 minutes, 70 minutes every game and then, and then get, get his rest. And whenever he, for, for that last 20 minutes or whatever, 30 minutes. And then if he needs a full game rest, Jerry Shroddy can start the problem. Um, I just think that he, it, it sets up very well for him. If he can stay healthy to win MVP again, uh, he, his MVC, MVP season was record breaking in many ways. And 
uh, was unbelievable. And maybe it's a little bit hopeful I'm returning. I hope he returns to that, but yeah, I think that, yeah, if he's healthy, he's unstoppable in this league. That's fair. I mean, you're manifesting it. Like I'm manifesting Carson to finish 10th. <laughs> but yeah, the final finish deaths. Yeah. The final topic of this week's episode, Justin MLS cup. This is pretty much the most difficult thing you could possibly predict. Um, <laughs> and you said Atlanta are going to be really good and I'm going for Atlanta. Oh yeah. It, it's a kind of one out of left field, but you know, like we, saw, we saw two four seeds, uh, making it to MLS cup. And then obviously in New York city winning it last season, I just think that Joseph Martinez, if he can get back to being the Joseph Martinez of old, he just is a machine. And with Almada and, you know, I, th- I think Atlanta are, are really getting back to, to what they used to be, you know, had a decent little playoff run last year. I go, I guess actually they lost to New York city in the first round, but the, they, they were the eventual champions. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I have a gut feeling about Atlanta. You said the whole Martinez Almiron situation. I could totally see that happening again. So that's who I've gone for. Uh, Atlanta United MLS Cup champions. It could happen. It could happen. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, I mean Miles Robinson in the back holding them yeah. would would be would be the reason that you just never know. I mean, if Miles leaves mid season or something, but yeah, I, think I mean they probably... lost Bello too. Right. Absolutely. Big, big loss for sure. Um, who do you think I picked? Oh, for God's sake. Oh, I only ask because I don't think it's that hard. LAFC. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, of course. Yeah. There it is. Has to be. I mean, I'm not, not going to look. Not happening. Probably not. I didn't it. But like, what's amazing to me is that LAFC are still the favorite to win the MLS cup with uh, over don't ask me. I mean, it is, it is LAFC new England and Seattle at both plus all, all three uh, plus 700 to win uh, MLS cup. Look, I don't know why we're favorite to win every single year. It doesn't really make sense to me, but this year I just, it, we have the best team. And so if Steve Trillandalu, if he can figure out a way to, you know, get this team at its best and motivate them in a in a you know tournament style as as MLS Cup is. I think that the MLS experience that John Thorrington has brought in this off season uh, through Kellen Acosta, Grapo, Sanchez. I mean, these are players who have been in MLS for years and know the league and know what it takes to win, and that's really crucial in MLS Cup playoffs. So I obviously probably biased, obviously hopeful, but, but as I said before, the best roster in MLS. So there's no reason that LAFC can't win it Uh, in our fifth year. We've been after it since year one, all we have managed is supporter shield, which was great, but it's not MLS cup. uh, And this, this is the year, man. Let's, let's get it done. It's not the year. I think next year could be the year, but I just no, don't because I just don't think you're gonna win it with a first year young head coach who has you know no experience at, at the top level anywhere. It's just it's just not gonna happen. And you guys finished ninth last year, and like yeah, the, the squad is, is better and you've improved and whatnot. But I just don't see it being that big of a turnaround. It, it's just it's too much of a of a flipping fortune for one season, in my opinion, could you go far into the playoffs? Yeah. Why not? But if, if you weren't going to win, if you didn't win MLS cup with, you know, the best regular season team of all time and, you know, Carlos Vela having just an insane more, season and this it. and that and it, and, and well, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. At the time and, and an experienced manager in Bob Bradley, which obviously that one's sour. I just don't see you winning it this year in much more difficult circumstances, in my opinion, with more good teams in, in the conference at the moment I, I it could happen next year. We'll see how good Toronto really is. But this yeah. year, I think it's I think that's very very optimistic. Yeah, I think it's. I just I'm worried we sell a cost to next year um, because he really wants to move to Europe, and I'm just not so sure about how the how the squad looks next season. The other reason is I think that Brian Rodriguez will be the breakout player of this season in MLS. I think that he will 
show his ability this season. Um, he, he started to really look good since he returned from Almeria uh, and especially at the end of last season was really showing uh, not only his skill, but he showed his ambition and his he, he's changed his attitude. And so I think that breakout year from him, Chicho was newcomer of the year. Obviously he's going to be potent and then Vela uh, returns. I mean, those are that that's, it's really almost an entirely new team. So I don't even look at ninth from last year, really, because half the team is different and players coming back that weren't uh, healthy or in, in form or things like that. So yes, hopeful, but I'm not going to predict anybody else. I just want to say, I, I don't think Chicho on the flip side of, you know, players coming back in a farm. I don't think he's going to stay in the crazy purple patch that he had in the back half of last season. So we'll see. I think LFC will have a good season. As I said, third place, I think our boss cup's a bit lofty, but with that, Justin, that brings this week's episode to a close. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to go follow us on Twitter at U90 football. That's U90 football. Um, and we'll be back next week to talk about the first round of MLS, MLS fixtures as well as we have Premier League uh, this Saturday as well, um, or this weekend rather, and uh, Champions League, the, the second round of uh, first leg round of 16 fixtures we have as well. So uh, thank you all for listening, and, and we'll see you then.